My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello there. Welcome to another terribly rambling intro for Falling Forward. I'm Dan Sack, your host, apparently. Apparently I'm a podcast host now. My uh, CV, sorry Americans, resume um, is getting ever fuller with fairly naff content creation jobs that uh, will never get me a real job again. It's exciting. I, I do look forward to it. The day is coming where I have to go get a real world job. And um, yeah, my CV is just going to be a 15 year gap of unemployable nonsense. But, you know what? I wouldn't change it for a thing. Anyway, let's get to work, shall we? Thank you everyone who's who's come back again for the third time. Genuinely appreciate it. Chips all last week was awesome. I'm really glad so many of you went and check, checked out our music and stuff. And hopefully you'll go do the same today for this week's guest, Andrew Hung. Andrew was in a band called Fuck Buttons. Yeah, I swore. Edgy. So edgy. Uh, fuck buttons. Electronic music duo. Hmm, how to describe fuck buttons? Just go listen to them. It's electronic and tense. Danceable, yet not. Bleak, yet happy. Like, my mum would call it drugs music. But, you know. My mum calls everything drugs music. She's a drug addict. Uh, please note, my mum is not a drug addict. That I know of. Maybe she is. Hmm. I should phone her. Someone remind me to phone my mum. I, I, just on Twitter or something. Yeah. Yeah, I should phone her. Anyway. It's a really good chat. Weirdly, this was recorded the same day as I recorded the Chipsaw cast. It just so happened I was going into London for Chipsaw and Andrew said he'd do it and and it is really interesting to go talk to one musician, jump on the tube and then talk to a very different musician. Yet there's so many similarities 
no matter how divergent your work is. I don't know. I'm getting contemplative. Contemplative? Complaintative. No. Complantative. I'm getting more thoughtful as I get older. We say in the podcast I'm nearly 40. I am now actually 40. It happened at the weekend. And uh, I died. Yeah, I just ceased to exist. It was really sad. You know, my few friends and the woman who loves me are all very upset about it. But, um, you know, life goes on, as they say. Life goes on. But yeah, back to the point. It was very good to get to talk to Andrew. Um, we got to talk about his soundtrack work and his album, Realisation Ship, which the instrumentals to have just dropped. Check out Andrew's Bandcamp, etc. for that. But yeah, it was a really, really nice chat. One thing I noticed is that Andrew asks a lot of questions. He was treating it like some sort of normal human conversation rather than an interview. So every now and again, I will get trapped into answering one of Andrew's questions. So I apologize if I drone on a little in this podcast, but the bastard like asks genuinely interesting questions and I'll be rude. Yes, rude not to answer them. Anyway, is that everything? I don't know if that's everything. I didn't make a list. I should have made a list. I told you about his album, his instrumentals. I said hello. Uh, I might have done a skit. Depends which which take of this I give you. Um, Oh, the plug. The dirty bit. I'm funding this podcast through Patreon. So if you fancy dropping a dollar my way to help me pay for fuel when I drive up north to talk to people, it's my own fault for wanting to talk to everyone face to face, but I genuinely think it gives for a better conversation. I will one day buckle and use Discord or Skype or something for one of the the foreigners I've got planned, but where possible, I want to do it face to face. So dollar patreon.com forward slash danielsat that's the best place and they only take like five percent pretty decent it's just like shoving a dollar down my pants if i was dancing for you in some sort of strip joint scenario now i've put that image in your brain let's uh, listen to me and andrew's very contemplative i got it right chat enjoy Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, 
Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. How much editing are you going to do? Uh, it, it depends how racist you are. Very. Very yeah. racist. So yes. I'm just going to cut it down to only racism. <laughs> okay. That's what we're going to get. <laughs> but like, if you can spread your racism out across all the races, I then, will. then that's equality. <laughs> which yes. Which is a good thing. I've heard equality is a good thing. So yeah, that's actually where we're starting the podcast. Bit of racism. Bit of racism. <laughs> all those people. Do you know what I find interesting about your Twitter feed, Dan? What? When you talk about life after working... With Pip. Yeah. Yeah. Are you, are you, because I find a lot of parallels with my life after Fuck Buttons was mm. really um, active. Um, does it, It's a relationship, I'm sure. Yeah, it's kind of like... It's, you see the world through a different lens... Yeah, and then when you're out of that relationship, you have to put on. You're seeing the world through different lenses. It's, it's taken me quite a while to sort of readjust to that, mm. to that lens. Yeah, I think I, I so I, I had the double whammy of I ended a seven year um, love relationship, and then you know, I don't know why I call it a love relationship. <laughs> seemed, seemed weird, a weird way of phrasing it. No, I ended that relationship and the the Dan and Pip stuff came to the end at the same time within a year of each other. So, like, they were in such sharp... It, it focused both, you know. I didn't really understand how much me and Pip, that react interplay wasn't just a creative collaboration. There was, like, if you do 100 gigs... Chances are you spent two hundred days yes. with that person. Yes, at least. You know, and you how much you miss that. We just yeah, how much that goes away. It's really kind of kind of scary, but at the same time, knowing that it couldn't have existed without the other person makes you feel like afterwards it's like well it's fine what I'm doing now because that. What that was can only ever be what it was, that chemistry between the two of you. Say, look at Nick Frost and Simon Pegg. They're a partnership, but now Pegg's off doing massive movies and stuff. You see that there, um, Adam Buxton and Joe Cornish going off in their different routes. But it's interesting to see that how much they change once apart, you know? Like, musically, where you are now, I don't think you could have written realize, realization ship. <laughs> this is an awkward word, man. Yeah, sorry. 
like you couldn't have written it without the existence of what came before, but you also couldn't have written it, written it if you were still in that collaboration. Right. Yes. And just and my opinion, obviously. It's, do you feel that? That's quite interesting. So you said you can't couldn't have written it without the stuff before, but also couldn't have written it if you're still in that relationship. So it's like neither one or the other. Mm. Like it's this both connected to each other. Yeah. Yeah, that's totally true. I guess what does that mean? <laughs> what does it mean? Like what what are we in control of, I guess? Mm. I guess you know what was going through my mind when you were talking about that was like just when you're when when you when you're in quite a successful band, you feel like you control the world. Mm. <laughs> and um and then like when it inevitably, even though you don't know it will happen, inevitably things change mm. and you're not in control of that. So to go from that um, perspective of like, I can, I fucking rule the world to mm. I'm, I got no control over anything. It's, it's quite dramatic. Yeah. And I guess it relates to this. Yeah. So what I'm doing now, yeah, it, it, it couldn't have happened without fuck buttons, but um, yeah, I, at the moment I'm experiencing a lot of growth uh, and, but it's, it's all related to sort of like, being aware that I'm not in control of any of this. Mm. But you, it's probably a nihilist point, but in a sense, you probably weren't ever in control. Like, no. Like when you look no. at the musical content, like it's not like you two sat down and went, mate, we're going to write some hits right now. Are we going <laughs> to craft the perfectly formed hits? You know, it's something that only gets to where it is because it found the ears of people who were passionate and willing to For sure. support it. Yes. With, you know, which is always... I guess you don't realise that when you're younger, though. Oh, you have no clue. Like... I, I, we didn't start till I was 27, but I had absolutely no clue what was going on. I was like, why are people listening to what's... Oh, that's fucking amazing. Like, why is this room full? Yes. Like, where have you come from? Yes, like, yes. Properly didn't understand how any of it was coming about. We always looked like we had a plan. <laughs> and the trick we used to get anything done was continuing to keep up the pretense that we have a plan. <laughs> and you talk about growth. And you, you've you recently just done your second soundtrack? Yes. Movie soundtrack? So the, An Evening with Beverly Loughlin. Yes. Um, and that com- comes after Greasy Strangler? Yes. For some reason, I keep thinking it's called the Greasy Strang- Straggler. Which, <laughs> I feel like it's the name of a venue somewhere in the world. And I don't know where this venue is, but in my head. Oh, mate, yeah, I played the Greasy Straggler. It was good, man. Legendary. It was the night Amy Winehouse uh, was there. You know, it feels like just one of those stories. Um, but how does that, how do you feel about that uh, type of work? Because obviously... You're writing an entire score to somebody else's vision. And with a movie, there's multiple people's vision. You've got the writer's vision, director's vision, the the cinematographer's vision. and But then you're also not... You've got to write these little vignettes, like minute-long just moments of, of music. How does that change your approach to everything? 
Gosh, I don't know. <laughs> I really don't. I'm st- I've, I've kind of stumbled into that world uh, by accident. Um, but yeah, you're doing a, a third with the same people, aren't you? Just did a um, uh, a series on Adult Swim. Okay, has that happened? Or February first. Oh, nice. So, yeah, I, I, you know what? That is true. There's like free bodies of work, substantial bodies of work. I still feel. Yeah, I, I don't know really what's going on. You're going to have to set up an IMDb page. Soon. I am going to have to, aren't that's, I? That's an actual... Like, oh, <laughs> oh, I made it. Oh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, I, it's always been interesting to me that, that how someone works on a score. Because you have to be sensitive to what's on screen. Although the two movies... I'm, I'm really bad. I haven't watched, seen either of them. Mm. But from what I'm seeing is they're odd comedies they're definitely in the left field but you've still got you've got to support the story being told whilst not getting in the way yet if it was silent it would suck you, do you know what I mean you have to improve without imposing your own view on it in, in a sense which did you find that a challenge to do yeah, you you just said get out of the way. That's what sort of resonates with me. I think <laughs> that's where I find the imbalance. It's yeah. like normally it's me getting in the way. <laughs> well, you know, you, you, with the last album, you toured and stood on stage, and that's the very essence of getting in the way, being the center of attention. Yes, sort of thing. you know, and then you have to. That's what went wrong. Oh, was it? <laughs> that's what went wrong. I think. Do yeah. you feel like it went wrong? No, I, f- I feel like... Because um, I, I genuinely like the album. I, I, I feel like I've... Um, it's... Yeah, I feel like I've, it wasn't executed as well as I'd want it to, but I, at the same time, it couldn't have happened any other way. Mm. Um, yeah, it didn't go wrong. It was just... Uh, Is that execution of the live side or the recorded side? The whole, the whole thing, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's a stepping stone, I guess. Yeah. Like a... Yeah, instead of it, a learning experience. Yeah, that you you had a vision that you maybe didn't quite exactly reach, exactly yes. Maybe you weren't ever going to reach the vision. When I didn't have the skills. Set. Okay. Yeah. Well, I suppose. And part of that skill set is not getting in the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all do it. I think we all get in our own ways sometimes, whether that be overthinking yes. stuff or. But that's okay, isn't it? I think, I think, making mistakes we're talking about, aren't we? Yeah, I think it's a very big part of learning. It just feels shit, that's all. It's just, it's a very public... <laughs> yes. You know, yes. you're already putting your emotional, emotional self into the world and then you have to deal with a, a Guardian journalist going, well, giving opinion on yes. your soul. Wow. Why did we do this as a career? <laughs> I mean, it didn't like. I I um I read uh, that you don't choose your career; that your career chooses you. Yeah. I, I wish I wish I was like a surgeon. <laughs> no, I think it'd be less stressful. <laughs> I don't know. Would it? Few people dying. Ah, <laughs> You're only prolonging life. You know. You're not. It, it would have been. It's a turbulent lifestyle, isn't it? Yeah. And I'm not sure if that's 
you know, <laughs> who, who chose who first? Mm. I think uh, maybe you... Let's talk about young Andrew. Like, maybe you chose that by the things you fell in love with as a teenager. Well, um, a really bad segue, but what were those things? What were you... What were those first creative influences on you? God, I was, um, I was really into... Uh, I was really into drawing when I was okay. younger. So I did that for... I only started making music when I was about 21 or 22. Um, but yeah, I, I, can't, I don't remember why. <laughs> I can't tell if this is my cynicism or this... Memories are weird, aren't they? They're kind of like, you're not sure if they're true or not because they're tainted by what you want to remember. Mm. So right now, what I'm remembering is I used to use my uh, uh, drawing abilities and skills to sort of protect me. I used mm. to use it as a way of kind of making friends and stuff like that. Um, I used to carry around a little portfolio of drawings and just show people it when nice. I was about like, when I was just hitting my teens and stuff. So I'm not sure. I suppose that's something a little more universal and a little more easy to express. Just to show someone an image, you know, they understand what went into creating that. Whereas if you open Ableton, that's and true. Go, Look at this. This is what am I looking at? Out. I don't know. It sounds like bleeps and bloops, doesn't it? Have you always made music? Always. Yeah. Like uh, late teens. Right. Uh, my. My cousin, who's like 10 years older than me, maybe a bit more than that, was like into Depeche Mode and stuff. So we had synths. Oh, really? Yeah. And uh, he had a little studio in his shed sort of thing. So he used to hang around noodling. Oh, right. Touching things and then looking at me like, why are you touching that? You know. Was and he much older? A good 10, 10, 15 years. Okay. Less, yeah. And then, yeah, I just sort of, I, I'm not nimble fingered at all. Like I've never really been comfortable playing a a, a real instrument. <laughs> and uh yeah, so synths just excited me and then yeah, in my late teens I convinced my parents to buy me an Atari ST and a really cheap general MIDI box and just went from there, you know. What year was that? Well, I'm nearly forty. So Say so 25 years ago. Okay. It's 2019. Yeah. So. Yeah. Let's say 94. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. 94, 93, 94. That's a good year to start making music. It felt alright, yeah. It was That's a legendary too. period, right? I think they all are when you look back. It's I mean, probably not a bad year. Past 2000, there's no more legendary periods, are there? I don't know. <laughs> I, bet if, I bet if you asked someone. He was 20. That's now. true, maybe. Oh, oh, 2000s. That's true. <laughs> like, I wonder how much we're missing. How many, like, great bands. Maybe because we have this social networking, just churn, everything is only only exists for five minutes. I wonder how many Aphex Twins we've we've lost to Facebook algorithms right now. Oh, right. There's, there is an artist greater than eight. Apex Twin with three likes on, on Facebook right now, just sitting there, just waiting. Like, oh, but it's so good. 
Fuck, I have no idea. <clears throat> I think about that stuff a lot. Because I'm kind of falling out of the demographic that's being sold stuff to. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, no, I get... I just get, like, health insurance adverts yeah. now on the internet. No yes. matter whatever site I'm on, no matter how young or, or whatever, it's like pensions and health insurance. Like, cool, that's where I am now. I probably am missing out on bands. I, in I fact, I'm sure of it. Because I do have a few younger friends and I just... When they're listening to stuff, I'm just like, I've never heard of that, and I'm not going to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to listen to it. Yeah, I, the last time I took recommendations offline was uh, Nathan Fake posted a few artists he liked, like last year. He's got good taste. Yeah, he's that got dude. great taste. He's it? just that he's one of those people, and I, I was just like, well, if, if Nathan says it's good. I'll have a little look. <laughs> I can, uh, annoyingly, I can't think who they were now, but I remember thinking they're all very good. Yes. <laughs> but that really awkward, like, cool. Um, the, I suppose, talking about social networks, maybe this is a bit of a segue, but you said in an interview about tracking, formatting of an album, like, the, the order of an album can make or break an album. How do you feel that works in this sort of more singles culture Spotify age oh, of music? I had a conversation with my girlfriend the other day. She said um, she thinks people, it's you can't get away with shit albums anymore. Because I was listening to the album, an album the other day, I thought, oh, fuck, this is really good. Mm. But it was totally front-loaded. Okay. And then the rest of the album was a bit shit. I, well, you think about what it used to cost you to own a shit album. That was a tenner, you know? You bought that shit album, and chances are, you probably didn't get around to taking it back. <laughs> yeah. Now, the cost of a shit album is, what, half a P? Yeah, yeah. Half a P each track you get through. Yes. So, you know, that that, art, that shit album got one penny out of you rather than yes. a tenner. Yes. I always think about it from the point of view of, like, if you were a massive artist this current system is hugely beneficial, but you were being robbed for years. I've listened to um, Joy Division Closer in my life, that album. I must have listened to that three to four hundred times. <laughs> and I, I do own it on three formats, but only one of those I paid full price for. So I've given the estate of Ian Curtis and the rest of New Order <laughs> maybe 15 quid. For an album I've listened to hundreds of times. So I've kind of robbed them. <laughs> so in that way, I feel bad. They got robbed by so many people as well. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, but I think what made me think about it was that I'm noticing seeing more tracks. Like with Spotify, you have to get over 30 seconds to get paid. So I'm noticing like these either drawn-out intros... That are interesting, but just just sort of inoffensive. Oh, interesting. So if you're shuffling, you don't know whether you like the track or not until after the 30-second mark, because the track doesn't actually begin. Just like, oh, we're just going to do a low rumble for 30 seconds. They won't even hear it on their, their speakers, and then, then we'll bring it in. Or the opposite of, like, just huge intro, like big forceful and I find it interesting how potentially the format is dictating 
taste. You know, the more we hear of like big openings to tracks, the more we kind of expect them and want them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is true. I think the format is always going to be, the format has always dictated the taste, right? Like albums were dictated by how much you could fit on a vinyl. Yeah, what is it, 40 minutes, yes. more or less? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I think it's always, I mean, music is is very structured, I think. It's mm. like, there's a very clear boundaries within which to work in. Like... Yeah, now you can do an album as long as you like, really. If you wanted to do like a four-hour four hour album, iTunes and Spotify and all that That's true. stopping you. That's true. That's true. I do like the fact. I, I like the easy access of it all. You know, I, there's probably albums that if I didn't have access to them on Spotify, I wouldn't know how to get them in any other way. But at the same time, that hidden gem, that, that stumbling across a record in a, in a second-hand record shop or in a charity shop. In Oxfam's are usually very good <laughs> for vinyl. And you'd be like, oh my God, this is some sort of, wait, is that Mexican psych rock? Oh, this blows my mind. <laughs> you know, like, how do we stumble across music anymore without some algorithm guiding us to it, you know? The feeling of it. Mm. What is that feeling? Not a clue. Surprise. And gladness. Happiness and surprise, I guess, isn't it? A I happy see. surprise. And maybe that... Because you call it stumbling upon. That's like a mistake, I guess, isn't mm. it? And I suppose that's the fear with... Is that a thing that we're addicted to as musicians? Do you... <laughs> do you not... When you're creating music, do you still surprise yourself yeah of course that's really yeah. important like yeah. the amount of times I'll, I'll write a melody and I'll be like I've never been very strong with melody like drums is me that's where I love and same I'll, <laughs> but I'll write a melody and it's like mate you sound like a musician <laughs> wow that's like a it's a proper melody or I'll, I'll use a bit of timing that is not natural to me and it's like like Nathan Fake kind of talking <laughs> that. That's wonky. That's a wonky melody. Well, I suppose that's what we're hunting for, that that excitement that comes from just surprising that yourself. Yes. I think that's why I get grumpy at times as well. Because I like surprise myself and I've written something great, but I you it's really hard to get anyone else to listen to it. <laughs> Like, no, guys, listen, this is good. I'm good again. I'm good again. <laughs> Come on. No, I did it. I, did, I smashed it. It's really hard to do that on the internet. Like, you have to be all like very calm. Hey, I just got uh, really proud of this. And that's as much as you can say. You can't actually start streaming into the internet. I'm fucking dope. Why not? I don't know. <laughs> I suppose you can. Like, there's genres. Like, if you're in hip hop. If, especially the braggadocious <laughs> side. That's your job to tell everyone. But aren't we meant to be oh. contemplat 
contemplative artists. No, I don't think so. <laughs> but maybe this is this is relating to what we were talking about before about the uh, the delivery system, mm. the marketing, getting people to listen. <clears throat> and you said it was you were grumpy. You said the the marketing and and delivery system thing is very frustrating because it's it's not even just trying to get the people who have already paid attention once to listen to something new. It's also trying to convince the the kind of the the gate holders of more people. Yes, you know, yes. trying to convince whatever yes. clash or six music to pay attention to something when you haven't got or you're not putting like fifteen hundred quid into a radio plugger and fifteen hundred quid into yeah. PR and yeah all that so yeah there's definitely like frustration when you know you've created something worthy yet no one pays any attention but that i suppose it's really negative because you didn't create it to get people to pay attention you created it because you enjoyed creating it yeah but you do want people to hear it as well you don't like i've always said (coughs) i don't i don't want people to necessarily like it but i do want people to hear it Mm. Just at least to have the opportunity to say it's shit or not. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but don't say it's shit too loud. Yeah, exactly. You don't <laughs> you you can say it's shit on Twitter, but you don't have to at me. <laughs> you know? You don't need to put the at before my name to tell the world it's shit. You can tell the world it's shit, that's fine. People are very strange with that. Oh, the new at Andrew Hung album is terrible. Why are you telling me? I'm not going to change it. Hang on. Let's go back in time. I'm going to re-record everything for you. What did I do wrong? (laughs) Yes. Yes. That is a very... The interconnectivity of social networks and stuff is wonderful. At the same time, it's absolutely hellish. Especially when you're putting something out. You see that outpouring of support and then that, the one dude angrily, why aren't you in fuck buttons anymore? I don't use fuck buttons. It's like, but that was, that still exists. That you didn't, when, when you two, are, are you a hiatus or a, a, a hard end? Um, I guess it's kind of like, we, we haven't officially ended it, mm. but. Yeah, it's it's been very inactive. So it'll be a if you both suddenly want to do it. Just ten years time, we'll do like a yeah. don't look back kind of thing. And <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like you didn't when that went on its hiatus. You didn't just then delete all of your past music to concentrate on new stuff. You know, it's still in the world. I never quite understand people's need for what was when you're both creating a lot of new, you know. Oh. Like, if you... So, since Fuck Buttons, what have you done? You... The two soundtracks, the album... Was Rave Cave post? Yes. So, Rave Cave as well. What was it? Dawn? Yeah, Dawn Hunger. Hunger? Yeah. I was going to say Hunter. That was post as well. Yeah. So that's five things. Yeah. Minimum. 
That's more than you did in in the <laughs> originally. That's true. Yeah. You know, you're only adding to the legacy, not you know. <laughs> that eyebrow raise. If, if people could see that, eyebrow <laughs> the word legacy was like, hmm, I, I don't know. I've... Well, this legacy comes up. That that word comes up a lot with um, <coughs> boxers. I've, I've been watching boxing quite a bit recently. Yeah. I don't know why, by the way. So I was always, um, yeah. Anyway. But legacy comes up very often. That they often talk about what they're trying to do for their own legacy, and it kind of like maybe it's just for the story. I think that's what that's what sells things. But um, there are boxers that don't want to lose because of their legacy. Mm. Uh, but then I always just think it's it's a good thing to lose. You know, like the the greats have always lost, like Muhammad Ali, and yeah, uh, they they lost quite a bit. But it taught them something. But nowadays, yeah. it's about being undefeated. Yeah. And that's their legacy. But, yeah, so sorry, I don't know why I can't no, no, onto keep this. Going, keep going. But, yeah, so it's just kind of like... Yeah, that word is kind of... it. I, I imagine it probably irks... What do you think of that word, legacy? Legacy. Because I always associate it with... I know your legacy is something that's meant to last into the future. Right. But it, it always makes me think that you're only looking backwards. Yes. You know, that... Yes. I, I think as a creator, I don't care what I did. I don't want to care. I, mean, I probably do care, but I don't want to care about what I've done before because what I'm working on now deserves to live in its own space yeah you know so yeah i always think of that 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 idea of a legacy is definitely a looking back not it's inevitable that the music you make now will contain old dan lasak because you are dan lasak yeah yeah but that doesn't mean you're focusing on... I just do everything on the black keys. <laughs> just, sit, just up there. That's why. Sometimes, sometimes I accidentally slip onto the B. But it sounds all right. So but you fine. want to progress, right? So, and you, mm. and, so yeah, that's quite interesting. You said it's, it, it feels like it's looking... That's what the word means, isn't it, legacy? Mm. It's a timeline, isn't it? Do you feel like you're a better musician now? Way better. Yeah. Way better. And <laughs> see, this is the thing. Like, it's if you are a better musician now. I spent all it... my time in the last ten years with foot buttons, just trying to make my suitcase as small as possible. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I did. <laughs> I just tried to make. I became really good at flying. That's that's what happened. I was really good at it. And then when I and then when Fortman's ended, I was like, "What the fuck? I've got no skills whatsoever." <laughs> because I made three albums with someone else, and all of them were produced by someone else as well. Did did I really get? <laughs> who got the mirror ball though? Surely that was uh, important. The mirror ball is in a in an airport somewhere. <gasps> yeah, got lost. Well, so you yeah, don't we, even have yeah. the mirror ball. No, we don't have the mirror ball. Oh no! I'm just, I'm just stop, stop right there. I don't think people can cope. Um, but you obviously do have skills because you. The I used last to convince myself that the soundtracks prove that you do. Nah, right. I used to convince myself that I had a lot. My skill was my ear. 
Do you, do you play any traditional instruments? I do now. But you didn't used to? I didn't put much focus on it. Because I, I can play a tiny bit of guitar and stuff, but I always say, well, that's my strongest thing, <laughs> instrument is my ear. Yeah, yeah. Is that an excuse we have <laughs> for um, just being too lazy on tour to just learn a real instrument? You could be playing the flute I, right now. You know what? Confidence gets you really fucking far. Really yeah. far. Yeah. Like, that's when I... when I Right, that last album... I wanted to make an album where uh, um, I thought it was going to be like the Greasy Strangler again. So mm-hmm. I, was, I thought it was going to be high-pitched vocals. And I was like, oh, I don't know how to... Uh, I don't want it to be the Greasy Strangler part two. So I thought I'll get some other people to, look, to sing on it. And then I couldn't be bothered to do that. I thought, right, I'll sing. My confidence was like that. I was like, yeah. I'll fucking do I've it. I've got it. I, I can do it. I've got vocal chords. Yeah. I've got the ear. I've got, I've got the ear. <laughs> yeah, Easy. yeah. That's totally what I thought. I thought I've got the ear. The uh, <laughs> not being asked to ask other people was that genuinely just not being asked, or was it? Was there that little bit of lack of confidence? That little bit of nervous, like, oh, I don't want to. I don't want to ask him. He's a bigger boy. Oh no, 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 no. It was. It it really was to do with downright laziness. I mean, not laziness, but just I just wanted to get on with it. Okay. Yeah. You know. I just, I couldn't be bothered to organise. That's not what I want. That's not what I got into music to do. I had a kerfuffle getting some strings recordings done once. And I was like, I'm just not going to use strings. Don't again. use strings. This is just effort. <laughs> so it is funny, like, how sometimes your artistic vision can, can, no, nah, that's not required. Because yes. That's a pain in the arse. Yes. Which I, I kind of dig. So it's 10 years of fuck buttons. Yeah. From like 2004. That's when it less. started. Yeah. And then four more years. Yeah. Until yeah. the first album. Yeah. Like, was that an in- inevitability? Do you feel like that you were always going to end up having that debut Andrew record that Mr. Hung you should have gone with Mr. Hung by the way lent into other industries as well they're creative yeah yeah exactly definitely air quotes creative Um, did that feel like an inevitability or what after foot buttons Mm. Um, oh yeah what else was I going to do because you've got no skills, you clearly said. I've got the ear, that's all I've got. I've got the ear, I have to use it. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> I, like, I like the idea of it's just you smashing your ear on a, on a piano as well. That's what the ear, it makes you think that you can pick anything up. That's mm. what I felt. Like, I was like, yeah. What was that? Um... You did an interview, actually, where you said, oh, I'm just really good at learning stuff. I, I am good at learning stuff. Everything. That's that is the ear. Yeah, <laughs> that's the ear. It was one of those really awkward interviews you do outside a pub. Oh really? So probably it was probably like Great Escape or something, you know, where you're rushing around. And oh, I see. You've got shows and like because of I've done those interviews, I could see it on both your faces. Like you're just like. <laughs> it wasn't that he was a, he was rude or anything. It was just like any chance you can get to the point. I, it felt like one of you was literally about to go. 
skip to the end. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, no, the new album. Okay, we'll tell you. That's funny. That's funny. Do you still have... That, I do... I very strongly remember that being something that I had... That gave me super confidence. What, doing interviews? The ear. Having the ear. Okay. <laughs> you... I'm just reminiscing now about the ear. I've just got the ear. Yeah. But... I suppose, like, you're... <laughs> but I suppose you require... The, you're, you two used to write through jamming to yes. a certain extent. Yeah. So having the ear is a requirement. <laughs> you, your ear is needed to find that knob of, of gold in in the... Uh... Well, looking back now, it, it would have been a relationship as opposed to any individual ear. Do you think it was a relationship between him and your ear or both of your ears? Both those filters. Or all four ears, or we just yeah. Is one of you left and one of you right? Well, yeah, that's how we saw each other. Yeah, for sure. Siamese twin ears. So, what's the correct term now? Conjoined. (laughs) Yeah. I I, I've said a few words lately where I'm like, that's that's wrong. Oh right. That's not radio one. (laughs) Probably cut me off at this point. We would well. We said we'd do some casual races. Yeah, so we That's got good. that. Yeah, we got that. <laughs> um, but this thing, because you you feel like you you are downplaying a lot of what you've done. You think about God, I do that. Yeah, you know the fact that anyone asks you to do a soundtrack to a movie, and that's an expensive project. No matter what level of movie we're For talking, sure. there's work and money. And yes. Those two movies, there are recognisable celebrities. Yes. It, which is definitely they get paid. Yes. You know? So you've already had someone have that much faith in you. Yes. But then you did the Beth Orton album. Yes. How was that's Billy Big Bollocks right there. <laughs> Beth fucking Orton. Yeah, yeah. I think actually she has someone who comes in in front of her and says, Beth fucking Orton <laughs> as she walks in. I think maybe that's a rumour. That might be a rumour. But how was that? Oh, she's like... I, uh, how was it? It was, it, was, it was amazing, really. She's kind of like... She oozes like this. You can tell that she's really fucking well. Uh, she's worked with a lot of talented people, mm. and it kind of emanates from her. You can sense it. Um, like just yeah, working with her, I felt like I got quite a lot of experience from her. Mm. Um, yeah, she's she's. I think she's kind of like she, yeah, she's very talented. <laughs> Love to hear. That's the ear again. Is, is that why she... We need someone. I can imagine Beth Orton and the big corporate table. Because obviously she's really secretly a corporation. Uh, <laughs> with all the, all the identically suited men down the table and just saying, we need the ear. You need... Right. There's a relationship between the ear and confidence. You need mm-hmm. the confidence. You need someone to be... You need someone to feel like they can fucking do anything. And that's when they can make really good work. Because they'll go places where they wouldn't... If you're feeling threatened or scared, 
you're not going to go too far, I don't think. As mm. in, you're not going to explore spaces that you wouldn't normally explore. Like, I suppose, like, look at someone like Bjork. Like, no matter, she she obviously comes across um, in interviews and stuff as, as quite a, a, not quiet, but there is a softness to her yeah. voice and stuff. Yet, she's swinging a, a big creative cock around when she makes her music and yeah i don't know why i'm making this like it's probably a bit misogynistic to call it a creative cock yeah we can call it a creative clitoris if we want but that's <laughs> a big creative clitoris seems weird as well um but you know she can can say i am confident that making uh a baseline out of gigantic electronic pulses like physical in a room static electricity being created or automated piano playing and all this which is is that medulla i think i can't remember which album it was the one where she got david attenborough to do an actual like narrative part that's crazy levels of confidence and maybe maybe it is that confidence that that weverall have you met weverall very very briefly he doesn't touch the computer yet, at all. Yeah, he's really super confident because he's he's knowledgeable. Like, mm. there's, so I don't know where that. Maybe maybe this conversation is just coming around to sort of like just f- focusing on that thing that you think you've got, mm. and that's what makes you confident. Maybe I don't know. I don't really know much about. Bjork's working process, uh, apart from that she normally works with one of a producer. She finds a, a, a kindred spirit. It's yeah, okay. The way I've always looked at it, that it's knowing what she wants from something and finding the person who's going to give her that skill set in a way. She, she'd probably work really well in recruit recruitment for a deco she'd find just the right <laughs> just the right forklift guy no he's he's good he's good in tight spaces but he's also fast we yeah we'll get him we'll get william orbit in i don't know why i thought of william orbit then did she do something with william orbit or was beth mean? did beth did you did madonna yes that did. was yeah look at that got round to madonna yes <laughs> I, I have nothing to say about Madonna. I just, you know, people talk about her and it's like, yeah. I, I never have anything to disagree with. Oh, she was a master of changing her image and surprising people. Yeah, no, she was really good at that. <laughs> <laughs> I've never anything to add to the, the conversation about Madonna. I don't know why. So you grew up since? You grew up in that... Electronic like, environment. Like a little bit of analog, but I didn't have any of my own analog gear until 10, 15 years later. Oh. But like an Atari ST and a little box that the general MIDI could make 128 different uh-huh. sounds and they were yes. fixed. And I had to kind of like, the one I had was a Roland MT32 and uh, it didn't have any effects processing or anything in it so if i wanted to create a delay i literally had to program midi Uh notes yes getting quieter at a regular interval to create that feel of a delay wow 
but it can only play 32 notes at a time. So you had to be super sparing in the That's way interesting. You, you did anything, you know? Yes. How old were you then? 18, did you say? 15. Okay. Yeah. Wow. But like, yeah, I didn't get the... I never had a way of expressing... Like you showing uh, your friends some art, I didn't really have that. I didn't have a way to show someone... Like, I could play them a bit of music on a tape cassette or a CDR, but at that point, I think the process was important to me, and I never really knew how to express that process. You know, look at all I, I learned today by doing this. And, uh, yeah, so I think I was just shy about it for years. It wasn't until 2002 or three that I actually... Did a gig. Oh. You know? Yeah. I've been in a couple of guitar bands. But Playing nothing. guitar? Playing guitar. Bass oh. or guitar, yeah. Just delay pedals, isn't it? Oh, really? Right. One note. Ding, 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 ding. I was like the edge, but shit. <laughs> I was like the edge, but shit. Who would listen to a lot of Mogwai? You know? And... <laughs> um, I don't know, we've kind of bounced around ideas and stuff. It's, it's, it's kind of interesting to me because although I'm like asking questions and picking on things, it's always you who leads the conversation. Your answers lead to new places. But I suppose if this was a more structured thing, we should be talking about early life and <laughs> this and that. But one thing that does actually interest me is like, what was the working relationship like with ATP? So for people who don't know, ATP is All Tomorrow's Parties, which was a very left field event. Originally started in Pontins to basically put festivals on in uh, Butlins and Pontins and all that. But obviously you released the records on ATP and then were performing at like Butlins Minehead and stuff like that. How was that? Like the... They were very left field. Yes. And was there any, was it a typically artistic working relationship or did they have that professional drive that kicked, helped you move forward as a artist? As a artist? That's good English, Dan. Uh, certainly during that period I felt... Uh, yeah, I felt very lucky to have that environment. Uh, like our manager was really good friends with Barry. Mm -hmm. And that's, in fact, it's our manager who got Barry to come to our gig and then Barry signed us. And So, again, for people around, Barry was basically the, the money, the driving force behind yes. the whole of all tomorrow's parties. Um, yeah, it was, it was um, they were really... They're quite a powerful organ organization at the time. Mm. They had the power to get bands together, you know. Yeah, well, you, you think of some of those um, ATP lineups, you know, you've got uh, Godspeed, yeah. who weren't a band that were particularly touring or anything. That's but, right, yeah. You know, it definitely felt like their resurgence came about because Barry convinced them yes. to play, but then you have Fortet and but then you'd have Sun and yes. then like uh, crazy Japanese bands like Envy and stuff who 
he made a lot of noise, but in a good way. <laughs> you know, it was always fascinating to me that he could do that and then have Dinosaur Junior and Scout Nibbler and do you know what I mean? Like, yes. They they definitely did something more. It's very odd for me personally because um, uh, we never played a, an ATP, but I went to them and then me and Pip got booked to play a Butlin's Butlin's Minehead. Uh, um, madness, the band Madness is Madnesses, Madnesses House of Fun weekend. Oh, really? Yeah, so it was really. <laughs> odd. What was that like? It was awesome. It was, was it really good? Really weird, like just that to have been in an ATP crowd with a lot of people in check shirts with beards. Oh, much, right. Much like mine, and very like mm, nodding while artists were playing to then uh, be there a month later or something with blokes, like yeah. proper blokes who, who have calluses on their hands and who have worked in their life. <laughs> Not saying that artists don't work, but have done actual work that <laughs> has physically changed their bodies, like jumping up and down going, oi, oi, oi. You know, it was just wow. yeah, it was really nice. It was kind of nice in that same space. Yeah. I'd seen, Explosions in the sky, noodling, beautiful noodling, but noodling none the same. <laughs> and only a month later, it was madness. Baggy dresses. <laughs> and both were as good as each other. That was what I liked as well. I've been, it's quite interesting the bands that you've mentioned, like um, Scout Niblet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she, she did a really Where'd good... that come from? <laughs> I watched her on the main stage. She was wearing a high-vis jacket, and I don't know why. And she did, uh, she, she didn't, did she, she did, used to do a weird cover of um, Uptown Top Ranking. Yes. But it's just like, yeah, this is like painful. I was listening to her the other day, actually. But how do you make that song painful? Yeah. I want to make a, a, a brooding ballad of past the duchy on the le- left-hand side. That was her thing, wasn't it? Just pain. Like, like amazingly painful. Yeah. yeah. I suppose I'm pretty nurse and she did all the emotions, I suppose. <laughs> Jack of all emotions. Yeah, that the the energy from her music was kind of quite consistent, but what did you call it? Dark, did you say? I I there's a brooding Yeah for sure. What she did. Yes. Yes. But maybe the nature of music is maybe I'm imposing the brooding. Well, that's quite interesting. Um, I, I definitely miss emotional cues from female artists more than I do men. I think uh, being a man, I think I understand men better than I do women. Not in a, women are so different from us, but women do have a different set of problems than I do, you know? So sometimes I think I see things in, in women's music that's just not there. Oh, what is that what you're saying about you, you think the brooding isn't there in Scout Nibbler? No, no, I mean, I might be imposing myself into that. I might be seeing more darkness than there actually is because oh. I'm clueless when it comes to... No, it seems to me that you're drawn to the broodiness. <laughs> because the bands that you've mentioned... <coughs> Like envy and yeah, joy division. So you're put, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what it is about a little bit of darkness. It's 
always been the way. It's funny because like I like Depeche Mode, except for the first album. Were you? Have you always been London? I've never been London. Technically, oh. I was Essex originally. So yeah. I was uh, out east, um, so near Basildon, which is where Depeche Mode came from, <laughs> um, and Alison Moyet. Yes. And Vince Clark, obviously, was in mode. <laughs> Um, and then when I went to university, I was going to go to university in uh, Wolverhampton. Okay. Um, but my mum had a stroke. Oh. And it was like, I'm still going to go to university, but I'm going to be closer to home. So I ended up in Reading. So it's only like two hours to get back rather than a, a chunk of time to get back from Wolves. So yeah, I've never actually, I suppose I had lived on the edge of London like in Upminster for nearly a year. But me and my mate fell out. We got to that point where we were like uh, putting little like pins in our doors to know whether the other one had gone in there or not. No. <laughs> yeah, we got up. to that level. You just stopped. It was just weird. I used this pan once and that, <laughs> that, was, the end. that was the end of a five-year wow. friendship. Went to it was a weird one that and went to shit. But yeah, I've always <laughs> always been attracted to that brooding thing. What so we saw you didn't actually say earlier, but what was what was your first band love? What was the first oh. band you were like? Mm. Yeah, it was Portishead. It was Portishead. Yeah, Portishead. I remember you, buying that album. Was like, where'd you come from originally? Like near in Midlands, near Birmingham. Okay, so you're not too far. No. Yeah. Not too far, but then I went to Bristol for uni. Okay. Because I loved yeah. Port of Seven Mass. And there's, there's such a scene in Bristol for electronic music. Like, there's a general acceptance. Still now, there's sure. still, still people who get it when you... Even if you, I'm, a, I'm a scratch DJ. You've got four nights to choose from to go to. And, yes. And, yeah. What is it with Port of Seven, though? Because... Whoever you ask will find will tell you a different reason why they like Portishead. What does brooding mean? Loneliness. Uh, thinly, like weakly <laughs> restrained emotion. Yes. Like it's there. Yes. But it's being held back. Yes. You know. Yes. Like uh, it could could break out at yes. any time, but you can see it's clear that that emotion's there, but yes. it's just restrained enough. I think it's that. Like, yeah. I'm drawn to the brooding as well. Mm. Uh, but yeah, a lot of the Bristol bands were all about the brooding. That whole town was about brooding. So, I'm going to be honest about what you said. Uh, I fell in love with them because of a girl called Caroline. Uh, if any of the Carolines from my past are listening, I'm not telling you which one. <laughs> uh, a girl called Caroline dancing to Portishead Glory Box. No, what's the one? Mr. Oz. The one that's got the... Uh, <laughs> dancing to Mr. Oz at our indie night. So our indie night was for everyone. So it started with like hip-hop. In Reading? So, uh, this was in Basildon, actually, okay. at the Bullseye. And yeah, this girl, she had the... The Bjork bunches, those little, you know, lumps on the head, and she was just like glitching. <laughs> she was like a bat, a glit, a gif playing incorrectly on the dance floor, and uh, I was like, I just wow, that's so gripped by that 
what I saw and like instant late teens falling in love that I then went out and, and bought Dummy and listened to it religiously and it, I was like, oh no, this is actually good. This isn't just hormones. This is like <laughs> actually good music. Maybe she's unattractive and it was the music that was exciting me. But that fusion of the emotion and the hip-hop side that like definitely made me understand hip-hop more than i had before even though there's no rapper on that record (laughs) i tried to get into hip-hop because of trip-hop yeah but i think i think there's a few like left field hip-hop artists that could be gateway artists there's a guy called mike ladd he had a record called the Infesticons, and uh, sorry. Oh, that's I can see my little face there as well. I'm gonna turn him off. I I hope whoever that is got royalties. That's on your telly as well. It's on my telly as well. That's so confusing. <laughs> wow, that's technology right there. No way, you can't see this, but his phone's on his telly. His iPad's on his telly. Um, yeah, like Mike Ladd's Infesticons was my like gateway, but because he's got this track called Hero Theme, and the the little riff just sounds like it comes from a rave track, but it doesn't. It clearly isn't. But it's like he that's obviously done in the same way, and it made me interested. And then he's writing. He's right. You've watched Blade Runner, yeah. the original Blade Runner, yeah. You know, there's the, like, priest woman, just the street preacher woman. His writing at, at, on that record was, like, her her sort of rant in the street right. of Blade Runner. And it was like, okay, this, is, this isn't rapping. But it is. <laughs> and then it kind of, the Infesticons album had Sol Williams on it and a lot of... What's it called? Infesticons? Yeah, Gun Hill Road is the album. it's just a good record you know um and it's it's like a concept album the infesticons are are the people obsessed with intelligence and creation and then you've got the majesticons who are the people who are about bling and glam and it's like a battle between them you know so there's actually two well there's two infesticons albums and a majesticons album and the majesticons album as, yeah, it's really odd because it's, it's meant to be about bling. It's really actually quite insightful. I don't know. Just, yeah, just talent, anti pop consortium. It's like the hip hop that they would put on Lex. I see. Uh, put on Warp before Lex existed. It I guess it's like, a massive genre, isn't it, hip hop? It's ridiculously big. Yes. You know. It's like Northern Soul or something, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, you know what? Even bigger. And, uh, like, yeah, I suppose sure. you've got genres within genres yeah. within genres, and each different sort of, uh, whether geographic or social or ethnic group that comes into hip hop brings something with them. Yeah. You know, and they're all different. It blows my mind. And I'm not as good as any of them. But that comes the old imposter syndrome, just creeping up on me there, <laughs> just sneaking up, sneaking up behind me right there. Um, 
we kind of haven't talked about anything I made notes about, but that's fine. We're allowed. We are allowed. We improvised. <laughs> you know, we did. But what's next? Like, you've got a new series. Are you allowed to say what it is on February yeah, 1st? Yeah, yeah. Tropical Cocktails. That's coming out. Trop- Tropical Cocktails. cocktails. That's a, not a sentence I can do. <laughs> Tropical Cop. Because I want to go cocktails. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and that's on Adult Swim. Yes. So Adult Swim's on after Cartoon Network yes. in the UK, I think, if I remember rightly. I don't know. I think so. I don't have it either. <clears throat> but, um, yeah, there's that. Uh, and then, yeah, I've been writing songs. That's it. Really. For, for you? Yes. Yeah. And uh, would that potentially be another Lex Records thing? Yes, yes. Um, obviously, again, for those of you at home, uh, Lex Records are the people who originally released Thou Shalt Always Kill. So the people support, like, releasing this man's work are the people who gave you 10 years of Dan and Pip's <laughs> mystical adventures. <laughs> so, you know, show a bit of gratitude. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you excited about that? About more putting yourself out there i am yeah i am yeah i've kind of like yeah i don't feel like i need to protect a legacy anymore <laughs> oh you ruined it on the last record I ruined so, it on yeah, the last it's gone one. it's gone it's gone now <laughs> that's how i feel actually but you know it's like yeah i do feel i feel good about this one there's generally no point in doing it if you don't feel good about it like i know that sounds glib but you know if you I've not written a note in like three months because I just I just don't want to. Yes. And well, recently. Yeah, yeah. So I did a remix for Enter Shikari at the end, like November last year. Okay. Uh, maybe October, and I haven't written anything since. It's actually been fine. Yeah. Because the time I've spent writing, I've actually been listening and working. I've done some work to pay. There's this thing called rent they keep asking me about. Like, <laughs> every month, the guy comes and like, Have you, give me the money. It's like, all right. I don't know what it, I don't know if it's a new thing or what, but, uh, but yeah. Uh, but it's actually been nice because I know that I'll do it when I'm ready. Yeah. And I want to do it. And no one's waiting. There's no one out there going, ooh, that next Daniel Sack record, when's that coming? You know. But if I leave it long enough, maybe they will. <laughs> on that really upbeat <laughs> you know moment yeah, so basically my career's over I'm starting <laughs> podcast now <laughs> it's, I, I, PJ I Harvey said her job was to hold a mirror up but she's holding the mirror up and seeing herself and she's a very attractive woman she doesn't have to <laughs> hold the mirror up and see my face <laughs> She would have quit years ago. <laughs> yes. I think that's probably a good place to end. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like I've been overly chatty in this one, but as long as you don't feel like I didn't give you any room. No, no, it's great. I'm still a learner podcaster, you see, so. That's because you've got shitloads to talk about, Dan. What, you started when you were 13? Pretty much, yeah. That's 27 years? 27 years. Oh, God. That's, that's interesting, man. It's 20, yeah, but then I'm still learning. I still feel like I'm... You still feel like you're learning? Yeah, definitely. But I suppose it's like technical stuff. 
now. That's good. Like, I think I've learned all the notes that I'm going to learn. I'm not, there's no new notes I'm coming up with. Like, <laughs> now I've got... There's not much, there's, there's less return the better you get at things. The, yeah, the 10,000 hour rule used to be that, like, you master, it takes you 10,000 hours to master anything. But you've learned the majority. I think they said you learned the majority of what you're going to learn in the first thousand hours. Oh, right. That's interesting. Yeah. So that last 9,000 hours is the last 10%. Yes. Know? Who's got 10,000 hours anymore? Fuck. I've got Netflix to watch. Ten, yeah. I'm, but you must have done that work, right? I would hope so. Otherwise, what have I been up to? Yeah, I'd love to ask you about how... Um, yeah, your production is kind of like wonky, unfinished. That's interesting. <laughs> You've given me glimpses of where your um, when someone's drawn to particular aesthetics, mm. you've given me sort of little glimpses of why you do certain things. For instance, when you said that you had to program your delays. Mm. It meant you were super aware of the space, yeah. In between, because you're you are it is kind of quite it is quite economic. I've always <laughs> tried to keep it as <laughs> as simple yeah. as I can. Like I know when I'm doing it wrong is when I've got thirty layers on a page. Making something sound simple is normally really hard. I think it is. Like, do you know um, Simon says the track? by Pharaoh Monch. Yes. Yes. Go back and listen to how simple that track is. It's bizarre. Yes. It's like a drum bake, this tone, some sort of background noise, and then the dun-dun-dun-dun, and that's it. It's just those things. Yet, if, if you were told that's all you could use, you could still never make it as well as that track's made. That's not how you... Is that how you work? Do you Or do you throw lots of it and then edit... I, yeah, I, I throw a lot and edit. I'm, I build a little brick tower of loops <laughs> yeah. and then pull them out until it still sounds yes. as good. Uh, I can't remember who what screenwriter it was, but they they basically say, like, if you want to write natural dialogue, write the sentence that you once said and remove words until the very point where it's just about to not make sense. So as long as it Aha. still makes sense, like just remove words because we are so economical in as humans, you know. You know where someone's going to end that sentence, so you don't actually need to say the rest of it. That's interesting. And I think I've done that with music to to try not to. I don't know supporting someone else as well. Like Pip was writing a story, and I'm I'm there to support that and not get too much in the way but sometimes to get in the way if you know what I mean let him tell his story and leave him enough room to do that without did he write first before you right <sighs> sort of 70% of the time it would be he would write first that's interesting and then then yeah it would be it was a bit of back and forth but the last album was the one where I wrote first which was our most successful, I'm just saying. 
<laughs> he probably wasn't our most successful. I just think it has the best artwork, so it has to be the best one. <laughs> that doesn't matter, does it, who wrote first, does it? It's like saying it really who, doesn't. who spoke yeah. first in a conversation. You know I mean? It depends who's having that conversation. And it doesn't matter who's talking either. Like the person who's not talking is still listening. That's still part of the conversation. Yeah, and there's the what that the person who is talking is shaping what the person is going to say. Absolutely. Even though they don't know what they're going to say, they're shaping it. Yes. What's it been like writing on your own then? <coughs> oh, you have done that. Up and, I mean, I guess people. Uh, yeah. Really, like writing on my own now is very different because I'm writing on my own with the idea of releasing on my own. I see. Before that, I was always writing on my own with an idea of, hey, I'd like to do this track with so-and-so. And the solo album I did in the middle of me and Pip's career was collaborations with other people, you know. But, um, like, having faith in my own work, having confidence in my own work has been the, the hardest thing because I haven't got I haven't got Pip as a filter. Yeah. If I was writing something bad, Pip's just going to filter that out. Uh-huh. And like, oh, I'm, yeah, I'm not so into that one. And that, that gets shelved. Whereas now, my filter has to be me. So uh-huh. I have to be the one who goes, that's shit, Dad. Yeah. That's not good enough. Or that's not right. Just, yeah. I enjoy it. But I definitely treat it more as... A hobby like I was before down the pit I'm definitely back to a place where this is something I want to do and enjoy doing rather than some, this is I need to do this because this is how I'm gonna earn my money for the next two years which is a nice place to be although you know Pitt wants to reform and we earn some of that big bucks there's still bricks on the Academy I, I doubt you'll listen to this. Um, <laughs> and then I'll be there. But do, do you actually, okay, do you get that feeling? Like, you obviously feel like maybe what you're doing post FB is smaller? Oh, it's definitely smaller. But, like, do you. But it's way better. <laughs> yeah. But that's the thing, like, like, for all the. Can you imagine? You're both in a place where you've both expanded. Is it Blanc Mass? Yes. Blanc Mass? I can Blanc never Mass, say. I think it's called. Blanc. Yeah. Blanc Moss. Yeah, Blanc Moss. <laughs> but yeah, so you're both better, but that's what musicians do. You do become better. So maybe you can't reform because you're both so good now, you'd cancel each other out and become shit. Possibly. Or the world would explode. Or the world would explode. That's what I'd be more worried about. That affects more people. You two getting back together and being shit just affects you two. Yes. World ending. That's bad for a lot of people. It is, isn't it? I tried to count all the people the other day and I got bored at 30. <laughs> and that was just the ones in our phone book. I didn't even order the like Indian phone book. Yes. That's big. There is a lot. I should have just Googled it. I bet someone's already counted them all. Maybe it now. So, there we go. That was Andrew Hong and me hanging out in his flat, having a chat, like like you do on a podcast 
I think that is a podcast, isn't it? Chatting. It was a lot of fun. We were both really relaxed and there were jokes. And uh, Andrew has a very infectious laugh. So I'm very glad that I got to experience that up close and personal. We weren't that close. We were across the room from each other. But, you know, you can imagine it however you want to imagine it. But yeah, thank you to Andrew. If you drop by his uh, socials and stuff, let him know that you love him and that he's your king now. Um, music this episode was again by me, just, you know, for copyright and all that shenanigans. It's uh, all stuff available free on danosack.bandcamp.com. Have a little skiffle, a little snuffle through there and see if there's anything you like. I make good electronic music, you know? I think people enjoy it, so making it free makes sense to me. And if you get a chance to chuck a dollary do my way on patreon.com forward slash Danosack, you know what to do, basically. Who's next week's guest, Dan? I can't tell them in advance, Dan. That would be cheating. Well, give them a clue. Okay, Britpop, then radio. Nice human. Yeah? Britpop, then radio. Nice human. Yeah, I think that works. I think that works as a clue, but it's not quite because there's a few people who fit Britpop then radio. So you guess away, and as ever, thank you in advance for spreading the good word. I ain't too proud to beg, so uh, that's that's me begging. Have fun and uh, a delightful rest of your day. Why did I end that like a fun call? Just end it, Dan. Just end it. End it. Fade away. Fade away, man. Fade away. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamline my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.